Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. So good. Man, are you guys having a good day? <laughs> I'm excited, man. I, I wanna, there's a lot on my heart that I want to talk to you guys about. Um, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Is that okay? Yeah. I love Jesus. Is it okay to talk about Jesus in the church? <laughs> Is that all right? <laughs> I, wanna, I love talking about Jesus. He's amazing. And, uh, you know, I love church history. I love looking at church history and different moves of God throughout history that have, has happened ever since Jesus, you know, came to the earth was crucified on the cross and ascended to be with the Father. I love seeing what the Holy Spirit has been doing on the earth. And I'm not like a church historian by any means. I'm not any means at all. But I, I just love reading books from other people that are historians. And one of the things that I love is, is, I've, is I've looked through all the history the last 2,000 years. There's a single primary throughout every move of God. They, they teach you when you look through history, try to find, you know, common denominators or threads that you could apply to your life today. You know what I'm saying? And I love it. Did you know that there's a singular primary through every move of God? And a lot of people, it's not signs and wonders. A lot of people would say it's signs and wonders. A lot of people would say, and I used to believe this because I would look for, for my pet perception of what I wanted to find. Or it's the word, it's, it's the church planning. There was a church planning movement. Every revival throughout history had waves of church planning. Now that happened. Signs and wonders happened. You know, all these different things. Souls happened. People were saved, right? But did you know that the primary of every move of God has been Jesus and is Jesus? Amen. He is the movement of the Father. He is the ministry and the message of the Father sent down. Isn't this exciting? This is the good news. I mean, come on. And I love what God's doing today because I'm telling you, we're living in amazing times, guys. We're living in unprecedented times where we're in the brink. I'm telling you, even if you look at church history and look at these moves of God, we're in the brink of another wave of awakening in America and in the world. It's happening all over the world. It's the greatest time to be alive. Signs and wonder, wonders, souls being saved, church planning like crazy, family restored, marriages restoration. But what is that all the fruit of? See, that's, the, that's not the cause, that's the effect. It's Jesus. There's a Jesus movement happening. I love what God's doing on the earth because he's wooing his church back to himself. He's wooing us as his bride, and I felt that in worship. I was over here just crying, feeling like the, the, the awe of the Father, where Jesus, like the bridegroom, is wooing us and, like, and literally awing us. He's just pulling us, come draw closer to me. Amen. Amen. So this is exciting times. Like I believe that that in this day and age that we're going is the church. We're, this is I, this is. Be careful. Buckle up. Just say this is this is a, a statement here. But I need you to have ears to hear this. The church is going to divorce the works and marry him. Amen. This is where the Lord's taking the bride right now. He's taking the bride to a senseless place. A senseless place where literally we can no longer depend upon principles or opinions. We can lean upon a person. 
You, are you guys hearing this? Yeah. Is everybody doing okay? <laughs> I just love Jesus. And I'm, I'm, I love it because I see the Lord doing this. In everything, he's going to woo us back to him where we'll no longer run after the next work or the next principle. We'll actually start running after him. And we'll see more work and more, uh, in a sense, principles than we ever saw when we were chasing the principles. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I'm excited about that. So this is exciting times. Like Jesus is wooing his bride back to himself. In Hebrews 1, it talks about how Hebrews 1, 2, and 3, that Jesus, you know, in the, in the former days, in, in the Old Testament, you can read your whole Old Testament, in the Old Testament, in the former days, God spoke to us through prophecies, through many principles and many sayings and phrases, but in these last days, he's spoken to us through a person, and his, it is his son. And I love that it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power dang that's awesome he, and that guy lives in me whoa Amen. isn't this awesome are you guys excited I, I know it, it's this is awesome I just love Jesus I mean I'm like John 1 18 it says that you know there's there no one has ever seen God at least I have I've never seen God and it was true in, when John wrote this gospel, his gospel, he said, no one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who himself is God, and is literally in the closest one relationship with the Father, has fully manifested him and made him known. Whew, isn't that awesome? <laughs> I want to talk about Jesus, but I know this is Pink Sunday, and, we're, and I, I know there's people in here that you're, maybe you've come with cancer, maybe you've come with all these different things that we're touching on, emotional something. I know that everybody's coming here with something. I came in here with something today. We all come in here with something, you know what I mean? But I want to get you to look and gaze upon him, because when we, find, when we actually lock eyes with him, we'll find that the problem no longer is a problem. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Oh, man. So Jesus fully revealed the Father like he's the light of the world. Meaning Jesus, if you can picture for all of time, for all of a turn, for years and years and years and years, thousands of years, we, as humanity, we were in a dark room. Pitch black. If you could picture this room, pitch black. The windows are taped up. It's sealed. And you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And this was our perception of God. For all of it, for years, we were, we were feeling in the dark. You know, does God, is it God's will to heal? Does God really love me? Or is he angry with me? Like, who is this guy? Is he good? Is he like, you know, is he a judge? And you see this kind of flip-flop. Now it's the word of God, but you do see kind of this flip-flop perception of who God is in the Old Testament. You know, there's, oh, he's this, he's this. But, and they're feeling in the dark. So I'm feeling, like, okay, there's a pumpkin thing here. I don't know what color it is. It's probably, uh, it's probably orange. I'm going to write that down. It's orange. It's a pumpkin, so it's probably orange. And I'm feeling around. But then when Jesus comes on the scene, it says that he's the light of the world, and he turned the light switch on. Amen. And now for all, all of eternity, all, the, all humanity has an opportunity to actually see the glory of God, to fully see who he is. 
You guys following me here? He turned on the light switch, so now I know. Oh my gosh, it's not a, I, I, I wrote that whole book, like Isaiah's like, oh, I wrote that whole chapter that, that it was an orange pumpkin, but it's actually a white pumpkin. And there's, suddenly they're seeing the details because all the fullness of God dwells in his son and he fully came on the scene. Amen? This is, so I want to talk to you like it's, I want to talk to you about Jesus, but I want to talk to you about the context of we're continuing the series. His presence transforms, and His presence transforms our circumstances. So, like I said, we maybe came in this room with a lot of different issues, a lot of different problems. But what I love about Jesus is that He is the circumstance changer. He is the circumstance transformer. Like this is—it's not so much something He does; it's something He is. You hear me on this? He himself is the gift. So like it's, he is the circumstance changer because he is, he does. You guys follow me? I love all the, however many names of God there are. I can't remember Aaron's better educated on that than me. Is it 450? Does he say Aaron? Some like 430, 450 names. And I love that all 450 names of God have been contained into the one name of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I just I can feel his presence in here. Because that's what's gonna happen today. He's gonna he's gonna be he's present here to heal. So again, the, the, the him is this presence. His presence transforms our circumstances. The reality is that the greatest gift is himself. See, it's not something that it's that he gives, it's something that he is. Are you hearing me here? Jesus is not, again, I've said this before, but Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the end. Amen? Amen? He, he himself is the end. I love that we were saying, I believe in you. I love that we weren't saying, I believe in healing, or I believe in prosperity, or I believe in, uh, you know, revival. I believe, you know, we, we, even in our charismatic stream, we, we can get into the dogmatic thing of religion where we're still just, we've even created our, our revival presence lingo. It's become a form without power. But I love that we were singing, I believe in you. You're what I believe in. You're the healer. You're the re resurrector. You're the life. I believe in you. Amen? So the goal, again, the goal isn't what Jesus gives. The goal is Jesus himself. When we find him, we find everything. Martin Luther, I think I shared this last week during transition, the reformer Martin Luther, he said, the true bride of Christ doesn't say the gifts that you give us are what we want. They say it's you we want. Because they know, he didn't say this, but it's because they know that when they get him, they get every blessing and gift that they could ever actually ask for. So instead of seeking after the 10 principles that we cling to so dearly. For me, it could be evangelism. It could be healing ministry, or you can fill in the blank for your thing. We all have certain bents that we love and desire, but, it, but I could easily seek the 10 things that I love and lose the one thing of himself. You hearing me? It's awesome. <laughs> so his presence isn't a means. It is the end. I want you to turn with me to John 11. This is awesome. This is going to be the word today. We're going to get around a bit, but this is really the word that I wanted to share. Talk about a circumstance changer. In John 11, it's the story of 
Lazarus. <laughs> Anybody remember old Lazarus? Dead in the grave. <laughs> Crazy. So I want to read a little bit of this. We're gonna, we are going to read a little bit of word here and go for a little bit. And then I'll break it out as, after we read this. But let's read together. Uh, verse 1, and I'll kind of jump around. I'll tell you where to go. Verse 1. Now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is the glory for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I want you to, to just take, take a hold of that. Take, take note of that verse right there. Now, Jesus loved Martha and his sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What are you talking What? Did you guys just hear that? Jesus loved, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. He loved them so much, so he stayed longer and delayed him coming to heal him. What? Is anybody else, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm a little confused here. You say you love them, but then you're delaying coming to the rescue. You, you, you guys following me here? So let's move on. Let's jump down to verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Say four days. Four days. Dang, that's a long time. I don't know about anybody in this room but I don't think there's anybody in here that has a circumstance where you're literally in this room and you've been dead for four days. <laughs> Is anybody, anybody in here dead? <laughs> okay, good. You're all alive. That's crazy. This guy, I, this is like, this isn't just dead. Like, this is dead. I mean, this guy's like dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, four days dead. So let's keep reading here. I just want you to see that. This is a dire circumstance. And many of the Jews... Basically, so, okay, it says, uh, it was in Bethany near Jerusalem. So many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to counsel them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. I want you to hear what, Mary, what Martha says. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, oh, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe. So then Mary comes and literally basically says the exact same thing through 28 and through. She says, you know, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. In verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come to her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he had loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also kept this man from dying? 
Then Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and it was a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Do you feel like you're starting to kind of smell of your circumstance? <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> There's going to be an odor. Like He's really been sitting in this circumstance for a while. Jesus said to her, Did, you, did I not tell you that if, I, if, if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So take away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and, and jumping down to verse 43, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out with his hands and feet bound. And he said, Unbind him. He's alive. Isn't that awesome? Such an amazing story. I want you to see there's a few things here that we're going to kind of jump around through. Verse 3, it says, whom you love is ill. What I want you to see here is what's going on is Martha and Mary are, they're perceiving something he does. They aren't really seeing who he is. So they're like, hey, our brother's ill and you have that like healing gift thing. You know, like where you just come around and you do this healing thing. So can you get over here and just do your healing thing? Is everybody following me here? But then verse 4, Jesus said, no, this is so that the son will be glorified. And then verse 5, he says, Jesus loved him and he stayed. Why did he stay? Because he knew that it would glorify him if he still delayed. You following me here? And then verse 17 through 27, you see that he's dead. Verse 21, you see Martha. Again, she, listen to this. I want you to see this. Where she says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Again, she's, her eyes are on a gift or a blessing that Jesus could give them. Are you following me here? We're going to get to like a real realm of faith together today. I'm just, I'm trying to like break out some stuff here. And then he says, no, your brother will rise. But then Martha says, no, well, I know he'll rise in a future time. And then Jesus says this, no, I am the resurrection. What I want you to see here is that like Martha and Mary, sometimes we can get caught up in just going after our breakthrough for our circumstance. We get so, our eyes get so enveloped in our problem and in our circumstance that we're going through, we start to just seek the, a gift, a separate entity, or this is a common one in the church. We reserve a breakthrough for a future time period. Oh, well, you know, when I get to heaven, I won't deal with this anymore. Or, you know, the millennial reign. I can't wait for his return in the millennial reign when all of our problems will be wiped away. So Martha and Mary do these two things. They, they want some, what he does. They want it for a future time period. But Jesus says, no, what your breakthrough is not a future time period. Your breakthrough is me. I am your breakthrough. I am the breakthrough. I am the resurrection. See, every breakthrough in our life of our circumstances changing through resurrection and life and power is about a person. His name's Jesus. It's not a reserve for a future date. Are you, are you following me here? Every breakthrough of his life and resurrection, I need you to hear that every breakthrough in life of his resurrection is not reserved for a future date. Amen. Because you're saying that you, his presence isn't here with me, his presence will be with me then. But isn't he the ever-present one? He's here right now. He is life. See, Jesus loved them and stayed. He didn't rush in to do. He rested to be. 
because he knew that if he waited and went two days later or he went right away, he would still be Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? It's like, you know, he's like, mm, should I go now? Should I go in two days? Should I go in a couple weeks? It doesn't really matter because I'm Jesus. Whatever situation I come into, things change. So I guess I'll just wait. And it'll be cool because they'll put more trust in me than when in what I do. Ah, I like that. So you see what I'm saying? <laughs> it's awesome. He's the same Jesus. He stayed because it would glorify him. Not a work he does, but him. Are you following me? See, he didn't want them to seek what he does. He wanted them to see him. He d- this, he, this is a big one. And it's kind of a bold statement, but I, I, I have it bold for, the, for a purpose. He doesn't do healing. He is healing. Yeah. Amen? He doesn't do dead raising. He is resurrection. He does do it, but if our eyes are only on what, it, what happens, we miss the greater miracle, which is himself. Are you following me? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so our faith isn't in a principle. Our faith is in a person. See, I, I found this in my own life. I'm sharing from my own life. I really went after the principle of healing ministry. I did tons of classes, read all the books. I mean, literally, I, I, I couldn't tell you how many books I've re- I read in, on healing over the last 11 years. So many books on healing. Every healing revival so you can think of, I'm reading their material, I'm trying to do it, and I'm going out on the streets, and I'm trying to build my faith for healing. You know what happened? I, didn't see, I don't see much healing. But what if my faith was in the person of Jesus, who is the healer, what, what do you think would happen? You, you hearing me here? So it doesn't matter. It was fruitless for me. I had hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of studying and practice for healing. But until I just realized that the healer lives in me, I don't see any healing. You following me? So he's the gift and he's the prize. It's not, again, it's not what he does. It's who he is. So really boldly, I know this is Pink Sunday, but I don't have faith for healing. I have faith in the healer. Do I have, are there people here that we have faith in Jesus? See, there's a lot of people, people and I'm saying I, I commonly did this. I, I would, see, it would, it would put pressure on myself or on the other person. Oh, they must not have faith for their healing. Or I, didn't, I must not have enough faith for their healing. So then we categorize, like, okay, I have faith for backs to be healed, but I don't have faith for cancer to be healed. Because our faith is in a principle rather than a person. Are you, is, is, you getting this? So when we rest in him, we actually, that's where the healing flows. Jesus is enough. And I love that he comes precisely when he means to. He comes right on time. And I, maybe some of you in this room, you can relate to what Leah shared of, you know, disappointment or it feels like what you really were believing for, you know, didn't happen. And I I just want to encourage you that he's the same Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love that you were saying that how you keep faith is you're like, no, I still believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in some ways you're like, it doesn't matter what what I saw, what my experience is trying to tell me with my mom. This is who he is. And I'm going to pray for this person as if he is that. You following me? So whether he comes right away or he delays and comes two days later, he still would be Jesus. 
And when he comes, when his presence comes into your circumstance, you know what happens? Everything changes. You following me? So he is life. He is life. In Revelation 1, 18, 18, this is what Jesus said about himself. This is the resurrected Jesus who lives in us right now. He said, I am the living one. I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever, and I hold the keys of death in Hades. Everything that we go through is a symptom or an effect of death that is alive on the earth. Is everybody okay? He has the keys and power over death. He's the living one, and he's walking into your circumstance today. Is everybody all right? I remember one of the big things that we've seen, I love testimonies. Can I share a quick testimony with you guys? One of the things, I, I mean, I love everybody's personal story because... Our, really, our own personal story, it's we're experiencing some sort of aspect of Jesus. He is all-encompassing, but I love finding threads where there's like, you see a theme in somebody's life where constantly Jesus shows himself is, you can fill in the blank. One of the things for me and my life growing up throughout my whole child, childhood is Jesus has commonly manifested himself as provider. It's like been out of this world supernatural provision that has, has followed me in my whole life. It's something that was passed down to me through my parents that has now just been something that we've seen. Is like it's become a legacy. But we have just crazy testimonies. I, mean, I, I could sit all day talking about the testimonies. of We've seen food multiply. We've seen a, a, a little roast chicken, a tiny little chicken, rotisserie chicken, feed 40 people and there was still half the chicken left. How does that happen? We've seen, I remember we had this potato patch and we were really just in a tight place and uh, just trusting the Lord with finances and stuff. And that, that potato patch supernaturally uh, sustained potatoes for like a year and a half. After even the bush itself was dead, we'd be digging up in the rock hard dirt in the winter and would just gather tons and tons of potatoes. Isn't that awesome? So many others, but I remember one story, and I feel like it's interesting because it really ties in with, with what Leah was teaching us today is thankfulness. There was this one time my parents were very open with us with what we would go through and because they wanted to teach us to trust the Lord and, and, and actually get to see a miracle. A lot of times we don't give our kids an opportunity to see a miracle because we don't include them in on the process. So my parents were vulnerable and they included us in, in the process. And honestly, one time, we, it was two, three weeks out to Christmas. We all sat down together. And they're like, hey, guys, like, honestly, we don't have any provision or finances for Christmas this year. But that can change. Let's pray. They included us in. Let's pray together. Maybe, you know, Jesus is Jesus. Let's pray together. So we all, we all sat around and we're all starting to pray. And I'll never forget my six-year-old brother had this hat that he loved. It was a, a beanie. He wore it every day, every night. He wore it when he bathed. He wore it outside. He wore it inside. I mean, he wore it when he watched TV. He wore it up in trees. He wore it everywhere. This guy loved his hat. It was his treasured thing. And he loved it. And I'll never forget, as we're sitting there, we're praying. 
And honestly, it felt a little heavy, but like we were, we were just trusting the Lord. We're all praying together all the way down to, I think, my three-year-old uh, little brother. And suddenly my six-year-old brother gets up off the couch, walks all the way across the room for all to see, and takes off his hat and hands it to my sister and just burst into tears. And I remember that we all just started crying. And it wasn't a, t- a cry of like, oh, we're, we feel so bad for ourselves. It was a cry of joy. And suddenly this thankfulness rose up in us where we were suddenly so thankful. We were like, yeah, what do we have? What are we thankful for? I remember it turned into the greatest treasure hunt. My, my, all my siblings darted all throughout the house, digging up all of our precious, most special things and began to exchange them with one another. The most special thing that we could ever give was, you know, that prized thing, toy, that prized book, that prized movie that we loved. We started giving them away to one another. And what was a heavy circumstance ended up becoming this joyful, thankful moment. And I'm telling you, I am not exaggerating. I wish I had a picture. It was the most extravagant Christmas to date in my life. If If this was the Christmas tree, the presents were to the front row. All around. It took up half our living room. And people from anywhere and everywhere, we didn't tell anyone. My mom and dad had a, have a conviction. To, they never would tell anybody what was actually going on. And literally just saw God provide. People coming over with huge laundry baskets, stuffed, pounded with Christmas presents. Isn't that awesome? What was that? His presence came into our circumstance. See, he's the bread of life sent down from heaven. He, he breaks bread. He gives thanks. He multiplies it. Everybody's happy and their bellies are full. A few days later, they come back to the king of glory and they're like, hey, give us more of that bread. And he's like, no, you're seeking after that which doesn't remain. But I am the bread of life. And if you eat me, you'll have eternal life. See, there's a principle here of whatever we're thankful for increases, but the greater thing is when we're thankful for him and for his body broken, his life multiplies in our midst. Isn't that awesome? Whatever you're thankful for increases. If I'm thankful for Jesus, what do you think will increase in my life? Woo! <laughs> I gotta I got start to land this thing because I want to have some ministry time, but Acts 4, 29, 30 I want to turn there really quick. If you guys have your Bibles, I'll I'll, uh, read it out. It might come up on here. Um, This is awesome. So this is, you know, in the midst of the early church. Miracles, signs, wonders. God's stretching out. You know, there's power everywhere. Amazing things happening. But there's persecution that starts to come. And this is what they pray. It says, And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness, Well, you, say you, you stretch out your hand to heal and signed and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Dude, this is just good news. I like that I have the authority to stretch out my hand, but dude, I I want him to stretch out his hand. You with me? I like to see Jesus stretch out his hand, and that's where we've been seeing the gold miracles lately the last few Sundays is that's not, it's not, nobody's laid hands on you, right? There, there's been no laying on of hands. It's because he's laying his hand on you. 
Is that awesome? So sometimes, uh, this is what I want to encourage you with. And I don't know if you have that, um, that music back there. If you could just go and throw that up. Here's what I want, I want you guys to see. Is, you know, sometimes we get caught up in the principle and we lose sight of him. We think you know, the key to our circumstance changing depends on how well we pray, how well we believe, and how well we declare. Even because we literally have an, a, a revelation and identity of we're sons of God, we're daughters of God. So, you know, we can just declare this thing. We can believe this thing. We can just speak to this thing and it'll change. But what I want to encourage you with is that there's good news. It isn't dependent on you. It's dependent on him. And he himself, see, heal, you're not the healer and I'm not the healer, but he is. Are you following me here? He's the healer. Jesus himself, he is the life and the resurrection. Can you stand with me? I don't know if we're going to get this music going. See, miracles are the easiest part of Christianity because we don't perform them. And I see a room, I don't know what you came in here for. I don't know what you came in here with, but I want to tell you that there may not be any special man here or special woman of God or man of God, but he's here. And he's all we need. And I know that he's present to heal today. He's present to restore. He's present to transform our circumstances. In Matthew 8 and 9, it talks about four things, circumstances that, that collide with the presence of Jesus. They're on a boat and there's a storm. But when there's the presence of Jesus there, the storm subsides. They get to the shore and there's a man that's oppressed by the devil. And the devil, the demons leave. They flee from the presence of Jesus. He gets to the other side of the shore again and there's a woman that has a chronic illness for 12 years. And when she comes in contact with the presence of Jesus, she's healed. And then there's a little child, 12 years old, that's dead. And when this child comes in contact with the presence of Jesus, she's raised to life. And I want to encourage you. I want, I want a response. I feel like there's, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what circumstance you're going through, but I know there's probably somebody here. Maybe you feel like you're in a storm. Maybe you feel like the devil's been oppressing your life. Maybe you feel like you need physical healing in your body. Or maybe you feel like figuratively something's dead in your life. Emotionally, emotions dead, spiritually dead. And I'd love to just invite you to come up not, not for us. Like we're not, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna lay hands on you. Just to come forward to respond to Jesus. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read something over you as a declaration of who your Jesus is. I'm, I'm up here, but I, I just want to invite you just to boldly step in to what the Lord's releasing in, in this atmosphere right now. Every illness. 
death, every, every storm, every devil, everything bowing to the presence of King Jesus because he's here. <laughs> he's here. I want you just to posture your heart to turn to him. I know this is a little different, but I'm going to read this poem over you. And I believe that the Lord's going to restore and heal. This poem's called Day by Day. <coughs> Someone's always with me. I'm never alone. Helping and sustaining, for I am his own. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone never ceases to love and to care. With him by my side, I will go anywhere. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone's love envelops me so tenderly. Someone sees my sorrow and knows when I am grieved. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone's there who knows how to comfort my soul. Someone's always waiting his love to make known. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone's ever with me, so constant and true, gentle and supportive, my soul to renew. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone understands when I'm feeling distressed, never far away during anguish or stress. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone's always listening, alert to my cries, loving away, away of my heart's faintest sighs. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone's always ready to bring me relief, standing close beside me in hardship and grief. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone's hand is lovingly guiding me on, graciously protecting when threatened by harm. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Someone's hand is lovingly guiding me on, graciously protecting me. Someone's lovingly thinking of me, caring and supporting in all my needs. Jesus, my heavenly bridegroom. Last one, someone's always waiting to see if I come to be reunited with him in love. Jesus, my bridegroom. He's here. Jesus, have your way. We just declare every circumstance shifting in this room in Jesus' name. Shifting in this room. Our eyes are on you. Touch us, Jesus. Touch us with your presence. I see pain leaving, depression leaving, anxiety leaving, the weight and responsibilities weighing on you leaving. I see dead things coming to life. Things that I feel, I actually see the Lord dropping things in people's minds right now. Things that you actually had totally forgotten about because it's been so dead in you is suddenly being brought to your attention again. I want Leah to just release something. 
I just feel like there's a spirit. If you want to go after joy and you want an impartation of joy, just put your hands on your heart. Because those who see me, when you see me laugh, you see me smile, it's not fake. Everything of that, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's him who gives me new visions for today. It's him who gives me new visions for my family, for things we've yet to see. So if you want an impartation of that joy today, that hope, that trust, that faith, put your hand on your heart. And I just feel like right now, Father God, let the spirit of joy rush in here like a rushing mighty wind. Let it fill this place. Let the people remain so steadfast in your joy, God. Let your joy fill fill their souls. Let laughter come from places that have been dead. Let laughter come from places that they don't even know is theirs. And we just say, Father God, as we receive this gifting today, as we receive this impartation, that this is something we will never let go of. This is something we will never lose. This is part of who we are. This is part of our being. And this is something we will leap into each day with a new version of what you say we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you were just, it doesn't, it's not a feeling, but how many of you were just sensing the Lord just doing something in your life? Come on. It's so good. Well, I'm going to leave you with this and then love on somebody. (laughs) Uh, I love the, the old song. I woke up with this song this morning. It's, you know, the turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look upon his wonderful face and the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I just want to encourage you, man, stay encouraged. Uh, I just believe that, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of testimonies and stories that come out of this moment, but then to come, as we just, as if, as we just fix our eyes on Him. Fix your eyes on Him. And I, he, he is delighted to, to change our circumstances. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Well, love you guys. It's so awesome. Um, have an amazing Sunday, okay? And, and love on somebody. <laughs>